Lord, just continue to make that your prayer tonight. God, break our walls down. Lord, break down those things that have continued to be a barrier between us and between you, King Jesus. God, continue to show us the things that have become a barrier between us and between other people, God. Continue to show us the things in us, God, that are broken, that you desire for us to just lift up the pieces to you tonight in order for you to heal, to restore, and to redeem. God, all over this place tonight, I pray that our hearts would be open to you, that God, our ears would be attentive to your spirit. Lord, this place is yours. This whole sanctuary is a place for you, for your glory, for your love, for your compassion. And God, even as we've been praying over the students and over every seat, in this room, God, I pray that your incredible love that you have for your sons and your daughters would be experienced right now in this moment, God, that we would recognize who you are, that you are not a God of condemnation, you are not a God of judgment, but that Jesus, you are the God of the broken, and so we continue to lift up to you our broken pieces tonight. And to believe that you will heal and restore and deliver and set free those that need that freedom tonight. So we believe that in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Quietly take your seats tonight, students. I want you to recognize that we have been praying over you, each and every one of you. And I don't know all of your names, but God knows your name. God knows what place of brokenness you've walked into this space with. God knows your story. And I know it's hard for us to, to believe that great God of the universe. You know, last week we talked about how we all have the mind of ants. Remember that? And how God is so big that it's hard to understand how incredibly multifaceted, how powerful, how all-knowing he is. But I want you to know that you know your story. He knows your name. He knows everything about him. His heart. Jesus is the God of the broken because I, I really believe that there's something that's going on in, our, in, in the culture right now. And it's this culture, this world, this generation has been so infected. And I believe the church has been infected. So whether you call yourself a Christ follower or not, whether you believe in God or not, we all live in this world and we've all been impacted in these ways. And I believe that there is such incredible brokenness in young people, even so much more than when I was a young person, way back in the 90s, with my bright blue eyeshadow, pink blush. I really, really have been exploring this idea of how God desires to reach out to your brokenness. As you know, we started this series by talking about um, three different stories. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about the woman caught in adultery. That's a fun one. That's a, a fun one to from for those of you that are ministry. But I talked about how, um, talked about the thief that died on the cross with Jesus, how he was a murderer, a terrorist. I talked about Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul. Tonight, I want to talk about this woman caught in adultery. So this story, it's about a promiscuous woman. She must have been legally married um, at one point in time because she's called an adulteress. She's known around the community for sleeping around and looking for attention and affection from men, even married men. 
So there's something broken inside of her that causes her to crave this attention and this affection. And she's looking for love. She's looking for love, but she can't understand how to remain with, with one person, how to be faithful, how to have true intimacy and connection. So she continues to look for this satisfaction as she is looking, and she's addicted to this idea of finding it. And she's known in her community, and her actions are so offensive to the community that they actually find her in the act. So you, let me tell you, I've never found somebody in the act of, of adultery. But you have to like plan that really well. There was like an intentional plan. These men or whoever these people were, were like, we're going to go to that house, find her. And so they actually cast her in the act of adultery, and they decide to bring her to Jesus. And they are, um, I love this part. We're going to get to the good part. Don't, don't get lost yet. But here's the thing. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they brought this woman to Jesus because they wanted to stone her to death. They wanted to use it as a trap to bait Jesus. And so this is what happened. So if you want to look with me up on the screen, out of John chapter 8 and verse 2, this is what Jesus, the God of the broken, does. So at dawn he appeared again in the court where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and in the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. So now what do you say? And they were using the question in order to have a bias for accusing him, because they also wanted to trap this Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her, Jesus says. Woo, that was a mic drop right there. Jesus says, yeah, any one of you who are innocent, go ahead, pick up that stone. And the interesting thing is, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, the woman still standing there. Jesus straightens up and asks her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, declared. So go now and leave your life of sin. You see, all she had was shame when she encountered Jesus. She had no friends. She had no dignity. She had no honor. She was surrounded by people who thought that she was not worthy to live who thought that she was worthy of death. But in this moment, Jesus chooses to encounter her in the midst of her brokenness to say that I not death. And he gives her life instead of condemnation for this woman who was so broken in her sexuality. Jesus gives her new life. Jesus is not a God of condemnation. He truly is the God of the broken. He understands our brokenness. He understands our suffering, young people. He does. He truly knows your story. He truly understands the ways that uh, we have become broken and everything that we think and that we think has become distorted. But the good news is that he is not here to condemn, and neither do I. I want you to know this, that 
your your teachers and your leaders here, Pastor Zach, they love you. They love you with an incredible love that continues to keep them in this place in order to encourage you, to equip you, to teach you. And so I really believe that this this love that God is extending down upon this place tonight, I'm praying that you would experience it in a new way tonight. I want to read this uh, scripture real quick, which comes out of Romans 8, which says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So once again, please know that God does not condemn you. God sees your brokenness. He knows it. He is not surprised by it. And he does not come into this space tonight to condemn or to judge, but to set free. He wants to come and, and understand, young people, understand this, because I really believe that condemnation and shame is a tool of the enemy, that it comes from the very pit of hell, because the enemy wants to keep you trapped. The enemy wants to keep the enemy wants to keep you scared and fearful of what people would do to you if they knew what it is that you struggle with. And I get it. People are mean. I wouldn't want to have people know my junk. They'd probably be ready to stone me too. I don't know. But that is a trick of the enemy. So anytime you continue to be trapped in cycles of shame, I want you to know that God wants to deliver you, that God wants to set you free from the law of sin and death. Maybe you haven't been caught in the act of adultery. Maybe you were not married and you haven't done that. But I want to say, man, that spirit of adultery is all over this. It's a spirit that continues to keep you from experiencing true intimacy, true relationship. And when I'm talking about the spirit of adultery, I'm not just talking about for married couples. I'm talking about this inability to be faithful to God, faithful to your loved one. Because what happens when we continue to, to believe the lies of the world that it's okay to do the things that the world does? The reality is it continues to break us even more and to cause more pain. And we don't recognize that until the long run, the effects of how that happens. And I want you tonight so once again, we know the bad news. So once again, the bad news is that we are all broken. And especially in this area of sexuality, we are very broken. And the way that we see each other is very broken. And maybe, just maybe, God wants to heal you of that. God wants to free of that tonight. So this is what I would say to you. Here, here's the reality. This this is really, really harsh, but when, you know, the world continues to give us images of what is sexy and what is attractive, and they give us false images that have been perfected and filtered, and it gives us a distorted idea of beauty. And so no longer are we able to have good relationship with one another, with real people. We are, uh, we are addicted to this idea of what we think beauty or love looks like. And so we begin to understand that the world has distorted that. We know that our relationships are broken because of that. 
and we continue to see things that also just put those things in a place where it's hard for us to recover from that. And I, I really believe this. Is young people are broken not just because of the thing that they are experiencing right now. I really believe it's a deficit of relationship. I really do. Because when I think about the story of the woman caught in adultery, I believe she was looking for love. She was looking for a companion, a partner, a friend. She was looking for somebody to be there for her. But she could not find that because she didn't have the ability to have true intimacy with somebody. And I really believe that's happening in this generation. We have so much access to content on media and entertainment and, and social media. And we're believing this lie that it's okay to look and to lust and to view things. I want you to know that those are not real people. At the end of the day, that TV shuts off and it's just a black box. That computer shuts off and it's just an electronic device. That phone shuts off and it's nothing. And I'm concerned that this generation is losing an ability to have intimacy with each other, with real people. And so when I think about how incredibly broken our world is and how incredibly incredible this generation is, I, I am saddened because I really believe that you are amazing, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The things that you are able to do, whether it's through sports, whether it's through education, through music, through ministry, the things that this generation is going to do is so much better and so much more amazing than what I was able to do at your age. And so I really believe that God has positioned this generation to make a difference and to be world changers and to do so much more than my generation could have ever done. But the enemy is trying to steal that away from you. The enemy is trying to continue to allow this spirit of adultery to be plague, a plague all over our young people today. And so the, the worldview, our worldview that's broken, We've got to understand that our world sees sexuality as just a thing, as entertainment. It doesn't see it as a way of building intimacy and relationship and understanding how God designed us to go together. It continues to tear us apart because we are no longer satisfied with just one person or one relationship like this woman caught in adultery. And I know that. I know, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want you to, I don't want to be sacrilegious, but I want to tell you something, okay? Jesus was 30 when he started his ministry. He was fully God and he was fully man. I don't think God is surprised by, by, by our sex drives. God created us. God made us sexual beings. Do you ever think that maybe Jesus also wanted to be happy and get married and have a wife and have a family one day like everybody else in the community? You know, I'm pretty sure there were hundreds of women that were following Jesus, not just because he was the son of God. He was probably a good-looking dude, very attractive, and probably very gifted. He was, he was an amazing leader in that community. So I don't want to be sacrilegious, but I want you to understand this, to understand this young people. 
that God is not surprised by our brokenness, especially our sexual brokenness. He understands. He knows. He gets it. It's not a new thing. But yet this generation is experiencing such a brokenness in a new way and on a new level than ever before. And I want to say it again. God is not here to condemn. He is not here to judge. He is here to love. He is here to save. He died on that cross. He desires to see you experience true relationship and intimacy with the people of God. He doesn't want to see you addicted to anything. He wants you to be fully who you are and who you cre are created to be. He created you in his image in the Imago Day, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he wants you to see that about yourself. He wants you to understand that there is a lie that the world and that the enemy is continuing and so the way we view ourselves is now broken, right? The way we continue to see ourselves, instead of seeing who we truly are, we feel like we are not enough. And I want to share this last story, and it comes from the very the account of creation in the beginning of Genesis, when Adam and Eve were created in all of their perfection and put into the garden in a paradise. We know the rest of the story. Eve gets, gets tempted by the serpent. And the serpent, it's interesting because when you read through this account in Genesis, the serpent says this. I want you to imagine Eve. I don't know what she looked like. I imagine she looked like Wonder Woman, like Gal Gadot, like this tall, beautiful, strong, like Amazonian woman. And she's created perfect. But yet even in her perfection, Eve began to doubt that she was good enough. When the serpent says, if you eat the fruit, it will make you like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. So Eve takes the fruit because she thinks the fruit is going to make her better because she's believed that lie that she is not good enough. She takes that fruit and that seed of doubt is planted in her mind that somehow she is not good enough. So I really believe that that's one of the original sins that happens because the way we view ourselves is broken. Both young men and young women feel like they are not good enough. And so as a result of that, we continue to distort the way we see ourselves. We continue to do harmful things to ourselves. We continue to do things that we feel are going to help us and make us better, but instead, they're giving us death. Instead, they're continuing to harm us. I don't want to see that happen to this generation. I don't want to see you begin to plant and listen to that seed of doubt. I, a doubt. I don't want you to believe that you are not skinny enough or pretty enough or smart enough or tall enough or strong enough. That is a lie. God created you perfect the way that he, the way that he, God wants you to know that you are enough, that you are enough. And he knows that you are crushed 
in spirit by this seed of doubt. We read earlier in the week from Psalm 34, verse 18 through 20, which says this again, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. So tonight I want to encourage you with that truth that you are enough, that the Lord is close to you, that the Lord loves you, that the Lord desires to see you set free from whatever those things are that continue to trap, to understand that, you know, as the generation is moving forward, we've got to pull off those things that are keeping us stuck and paralyzed. And tonight I think one of the lies of the enemy that he's continuing to do that is that shame and that condemnation, that belief that if anybody knows what I've done or what I go through, nobody will stand with me. And I want you to know that God, that there are people in the room that will stand with you, that there are leaders and pastors that will stand with you, that you have to reach out to a community of friends, of safe people who will stand with you. I want to encourage you tonight to let the God of the broken make whole. Let him make a beautiful mosaic out of all of those broken pieces that we can give. Right? And sometimes we wonder why God doesn't heal us immediately of everything. I mean, that would be my prayer for everything that is wrong with me. God, just completely heal me right now of everything. But he doesn't do that. Because if he were to completely heal us of everything, we would take that healing for granted, and we wouldn't know what he was healing us of. He is healing you piece by piece by piece in order for you to understand in which areas of your life you need healing. And that's what I love about Jesus. Actually, if you read through the Gospels, if you read through all of the stories that outline his ministry, you'll see that when people came to him for healing, Jesus always asked them, what do you want? Even when it was obvious, this man is blind, Jesus. He cannot, or this man cannot walk. He's paralyzed. But Jesus would ask them, what do you want, my child? Now, God knows what you need healing of. The question is, do you know what you need healing from? What do you want, child? What do you want God to do for you tonight? And it's more important that you understand what those broken pieces are so that you can begin to name them and give them over to the Lord Jesus Christ in order to allow him to do the work that only he can do piece by piece. So tonight, I want to continue to encourage you for you to do that with the Lord. I love that picture of the heart mosaic. All of these is coming together to form this picture to allow God to make you whole the words that Jesus said to that woman caught in adultery which was I do not so go now and leave your life of so I pray that over the last couple of days that you whether you identify with this story or not talked about the story of the thief the criminal the murderer the terrorist and this woman caught in adultery that whatever those pieces of brokenness that God is highlighting in you, I pray that you would give those over to the Lord tonight. 
that you would take a chance on him, that you would leave them at his that you would ask God to do those things that only he can do, and to understand that when you take a chance on him, he will do it. He will do so much more than you could even believe or dream of or even imagine, because our God is able to do abundantly more than what we could ask for and what we could imagine. He really is the God of the broken, not the God of the perfect. He desires to reach out to his humanity, to his creation, to his sons and his daughters in order to see you made whole of whatever that peace is that you desire to give to him.